My name is Joe, and this is the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast. Welcome to the Shut Up and Build Bikes podcast. This is episode two of the weekly show where we have an interview with a frame builder. We're going to talk about frame building and the industry in which frame building exists. And uh, we talk about what it's like to be a frame builder and our guests' specific path and their sort of journey to getting to where they are today. And then I upload the whole thing for you all to enjoy. So whether you're listening in your shop or on your way to work or anywhere else, I'm glad you're here. Uh, this week we're talking to Burnsy from Oddity Cycles, uh, Sean Burns, and you know he. I'm pretty sure you would know his work, right? If you have your finger on the pulse of frame building at all, you're probably aware of his beautiful work. Uh, lots of squiggles and curves and bends in the tubes on his bikes. Uh, he's just really doing a lot of like interesting stuff that you don't see most frame builders doing, and uh, nobody does it quite like he does it. A lot of titanium, a little bit of steel. I don't know if he's been building exactly uh, like five or ten years, but uh, certainly like the last five or so years, he's really been uh, becoming a big name in uh, in our small little world. And uh, so I, I'm really glad to have had him on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I, uh, as usual, like I prepare some questions, and uh, some of the answers that I got were sort of better than what I had hoped for, and uh, it just feels really good. This week's episode is brought to you by Cobra Frames, which is my business. So I live in Syracuse, New York, and I make primarily tools uh, to sell to uh, custom bicycle frame builders that specifically address the needs of people who are building bicycle frames. And uh, so this week's sponsor is specifically my tube bender, uh, which I think does a great job for the needs of the bike frame builder specifically, where there are a lot of tube benders available that can bend tubes of the diameters that bike frame builders work with. Most of them do not actually do a very good job of providing like a smooth and ripple free bend. Uh, Most of the ones that can are very expensive uh, some of them uh, just take up a lot of space and are heavy or they're hard to buy dies for. Like maybe you find a used diacro, but it's hard to find the dies. So what I offer is a uh, something you can just order from me with like one bend set up for $1,500. It's a relatively small package and it's a joy to use uh, in my opinion. I think it works beautifully. And you load in a tube and you produce a bend and you walk away and it's a smooth bend. And if you want to switch the dies to a different size, those are things that I generally keep stocked and I ship quickly. And then when you want to switch from one die to another, that's easy. Uh, I'm really proud of this product and I think it serves the needs of frame builders well. Sean, in fact, actually owns one of these benders. And I'm really proud to be able to say that because, you know, his his work in the field of bending bicycle tubing is uh, second to none. So it feels really good to be able to say that. And uh, anyhow, that's the sponsor for this week's show. You can check that out on the website, cobraframes.net, which is also where this podcast is hosted. In addition to this week, it is on iTunes, and uh, soon it will be on the other platforms like Spotify and stuff. I'm getting there, I promise. Um, But anyway, let's get into the interview with Sean. Uh, I think it went really well. I'm really proud of it, and I'm so happy that I can share it with you all. 
Yeah. So what I do is I, I build handmade custom bicycles. And what that means is I buy tubing, just raw straight tubing. And I cut that into lengths and shape that and stick that all together in the shape of a bicycle that's designed specifically for your wants, needs, and to fit your body type and riding style. Um, So you end up with a custom tailored um, bicycle per se um, to do what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's, maybe it's, um, you know, it's, you've had fit issues in the past. Maybe you're between the size, medium and large industry size, or maybe you have long legs and short arms. Um, Maybe you have a health issue that requires different body positions or you've been riding long enough, you just know what you want and you're not willing to compromise with the industry and you're going to come to me and you're going to tell me what you want and I'll say, yes, let's do it and we'll get crazy and come out with some kind of dream machine. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I think when I see your bikes, um, you, you know, you've really done a good job of actually differentiating yourself. I think the product that you produce really stands out. Like when you go to a show like NABS, uh, North American Handmade Bike Show, and when you look at, uh, you know, handmade bikes on the internet, there's all sorts of very talented builders who are making beautiful bikes. And yours, um, I feel like you could you could uh, peel off the paint or, or the head badge or something, and I would still be like, Bernsey made this. This is clearly an oddity. And uh, I think you've done that really well. One of the things I wanted to ask you about that, you know, and a lot of that is in the tube bending and in the, the sort of the aesthetic of the bike, and I know there's more going on than just the aesthetic, but something I was thinking about as I was preparing questions is when, you know, when I see what you're making now, and, you know, certainly you weren't always making bikes. There were times in your life before you had made bikes and you had the idea, the interest to get into making bikes. I'm curious, how much of the vision did you have at that point for what it is you're making now? Did you, did you see, like, uh, this, this have a vision for this sort of aesthetic and this sort of bicycle and you pursued that directly? Or was it something that, like, as you learned more about tube bending and as you went, you were finding uh, what it was that you were really most interested in? Wow, that's a good question. Oh, boy, where do we start with that? So, yeah, with, um, gosh, I think right off the bat when I started being interested in building bikes, I wasn't necessarily as consumed with the aesthetic as I am or have been since um, starting Oddity. Um, Prior to that, I think it was more just kind of the obsession with gaining the knowledge and skills to be able to build the bike. And once I learned the basics, here's, you know, understanding geometry and fit and and cutting tubes and sticking them together and how that's supposed to work and how this aligned bike is supposed to end up functioning at the end, then it became real to me um, because I have a family and I had, you know, a a day job and a night job. I worked a lot of hours um, and I was just ready to make a change. But the, the commitment to, making it a career or making it the only income I'd have, um, I couldn't fail. I had, it had to work. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a choice in my mind. It wasn't, 
oh, I'm going to try building bicycles and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. In my mind, it was, I'm going to build bicycles and it has to work because I have a family to feed and yeah. bills to pay. Yeah, you and, had the fire and, under your ass to get it right. Right. So at that point, then you're building a brand and you have to figure out how do I build a brand? How do I become recognized? What differentiates me from everyone else? And so that was important to me. And at the time I was doing other things that we can get into later that, that would help me create this brand. Um, but, uh, aesthetic to me was important because even to this day, I feel like 99% of bicycles that are built have the same diamond shape straight tube aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And so if I were to do that straight diamond aesthetic, then how do you differentiate? What's going to make me different? Do mm -hmm. I get $3,000 paint jobs? I mean, what, I mean, <clears throat> you have to go somewhere. So with my background in art, excuse me, and um, architecture, mm -hmm. I felt like I could use, um, you know, visual context and create shapes that flowed um, and were more aesthetically pleasing to me kind of, uh, taking me back to kind of older cruiser bikes and different, different bikes. Maybe we saw as kids or saw our parents on, mm -hmm. um, but, but stuff with just more flow, um, that could create a unique look a and B you could also use those shapes to, <laughs> sorry, my wife's taking a picture of me. <laughs> She's like, it's cool. You're getting interviewed. <laughs> so she's a she's a badass though. But anyway, um and and thus, you know, you you create some aesthetic ideas and I would do a lot of sketches for my uh you know, I'm pretty proficient at uh CAD computer aided drafting from yep. thirteen years of uh architecture and then um I was a tattoo artist for years and so I feel like I have a good eye for things. At least I know what I want. Hopefully mm -hmm. other people like it. Um <clears throat> So yeah, so bringing like this old school, classic, timeless style aesthetic back to modern performance mountain bikes, using those shapes, not only for the aesthetic, but also for performance. Um, just like when you build a bridge, you know, you arc a tube a certain way or a structure and it's more supportive or stiff, mm -hmm. you shape it the other direction and it's going to be more compliant and, and react and allow a bend or a flex. And um, so... I've been able to do both of those things, the aesthetic and the function mm -hmm. by shaping the tubes all myself by hand and creating a look all at the same time, um, which has become oddity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've done that very well. I think, uh, you're, you know, just to walk around a show like NABS, you know, which is where I've seen your bikes in person. Uh, well, and mm -hmm. also the Philly Bike Expo once or twice. Uh, yeah, they just great work. I really like the stuff you make. Thanks. Um, I wanted to ask you, I don't know that much of the history myself, so I hope I'm asking the questions in a, in a thoughtful way and a helpful way to our listeners, <laughs> but um, Eight Lumens was like a cycling club that you were a part of. Uh, is, am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, in a sense, you could, you could say it that way. And, uh, and, and I feel like from another interview that I remember, I should have studied up more, but uh, I feel like some of the ideas that that sort of cycling organization, if you want to call it that, uh, talked about or promoted, I feel like I see some of that attitude in the work that you make 
And I noticed recently um, on Instagram and maybe at the shows and stuff, and especially with that that Huffy bike that I that I uh, you actually let me ride at the with the with the fork on it anyway that you had made the frame mm-hmm. but with the Huffy fork anyway. Uh, there's like a, an idea that you're, you're talking about, which is, you know, like, remember what the joy that you had riding your bike as a kid and, uh, sort of like thinking, right. You're sort of like comparing and contrasting that sort of like pure joy of riding a bike against like, um, maybe being, uh, obsessed with the technical details and the new standards or something. Is that a fair sort of assessment of, of, uh, something that, is that like a, an accurate way to put something that you've been, when you talk about that, is that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. And so like, how do these things come together? Uh, I really am interested in that. Cause of course, like I too <laughs> love the pure joy of cycling and I too see how, uh, you know, like if you read a bunch of bike magazines and if you get into the gear talk, it can be interesting. You know, if you're fascinated with technical stuff, I get it. But like there, there comes to be a point where it seems like <clears throat> maybe a distraction or something. Exactly. And distraction is a great word for it, Joe. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm getting older in my days and, and you realize at a point in your life that maybe you've taken things too seriously and you forgot how to live. And, and that comes through in everything that you do. I mean, it doesn't bicycling or whatever, but jumping back, you know, eight lumens was basically um, when I started riding bicycles seriously back in Kansas city, which is where I'm from. Um, I had a group of friends that I started riding with who rode single speeds and they were very technically, um, strong and, uh, uh, really good riders. And I learned really quickly, um, how to ride a bike and how to have fun on the bike. And, um, not necessarily being fast to be fast, but uh, becoming fast because you had a skill set and you were just having fun with your buddies. Yeah. Um, and that led into, oh, maybe we should try a couple bike races just because our friends are doing it. And so we started racing bikes. And then a few of us joined different teams, you know, and we got a fancy costume to wear. Um, so we looked cool with all our teammates and, and people thought, <laughs> costume, thought we maybe yeah. were fast. <laughs> and then you felt empowered by this costume you had on. <clears throat> and of course you're spending a bunch of money on these things and then you're racing and there's rules. And, um, so that went on for several years and, and I learned a lot from racing bicycles and experiencing all these things with my friends. And at some point I realized that I, I'm not really riding a bicycle because I want to follow somebody's rules or because I want to be out here for X amount of time or going as fast as I can. I might want to just pull over right now and look at these flowers or like, Oh, there's my buddy Joe on the trail. Like I want to stop and talk to him for a minute. Yeah. It became, I just had a realization that why am I taking this so seriously? Like this should be more fun and less work. So um, at some point, um, our little crews on separate, some of us were on different race teams. Some of us weren't on teams because maybe the teams didn't think they were cool enough. And we were, uh, you know, we would lead a ride every week called the pirate ride, um, which has been going now for 10 or 15 years. Wow. I've been hosting 
And uh, so our little crew, we just kind of had this thought. We're like, you know, we're doing this pirate ride, which is a night ride. And we would ride all the trails we could find. We would make up new trails. I mean, we just had a blast. And it just felt like such a community and just like buddies, like when you're a kid. Like, hey, let's go hang out at the fort. (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So we just, we left our teams and started this little crew called eight lumens and there actually were eight of us which was kind of coincidental but just kind of started this little thing and it kind of became like we were kind of like the skate punks of cycling you know we were a little bit dark a little bit more fun we would you know make fun of the rules at races and eventually we started promoting underground night races Mm -hmm. and our big thing about these races were come race here's the course there are no rules and if you roll in first, it doesn't necessarily mean you won. We did have a few guidelines, but, <clears throat> you know, yeah, no rules it, and just and just try to make it fun again. Yeah, it um, reminds me of like the Goonies or something, you know, like the way you're sort of describing like the, <clears throat> you know, like, let's just go hang out in our fort, you know, like that sort of, uh, yeah, that like fun spirit or something of being a, being a kid and pursuing the, you know, the, the like sort of joy and exhilaration of like being outside and uh, with your buddies. Yeah. 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 And just motivating each other was a big deal and just getting out and like seeing what, like this week, like white Mike showed up with this like cool new part on his bike that he, you know, we were all broke ass beans and rice and just buying bike parts off eBay that we thought were cool. Like, Ooh, look at those Paul cranks or, you know, you know, all the little boutique stuff that was beyond our grasp. You know, we would, Oh, I got this like six year old, whatever, <laughs> put it on my bike. But, you know, it's like this cool boutique part. <clears throat> I got those, uh, you know, groovy love handles, <laughs> something. And eventually, you know, we got to, to a point where <clears throat> like one of our guys, white Mike, he's, he's started kind of a merchandising thing and he's done eight lumen shirts and the fucky ass socks that are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Um, it, what's really funny is one of the eight, original eight lumens is, um, this Instagram phenomenon, uh, bicycle pubes. So that guy was one of our original oh, crew. Wow. Uh, we've got guys who are now like photographers for, uh, cycling magazines and who do big race events like, um, the, uh, Colorado trail, like, the divide and different things like um but you know corbin brady's one of us who built bikes with black sheep he worked for me we're just all like tight-knit group of guys riding bikes and having fun yeah um but how all that translates into by like frame building and bicycles and that bike you saw at nabs this year with uh fork that I built out of an old Huffy road bike frame. Um, That's just bringing it back to just taking, uh, I don't know how to sum it up. Um, Yeah, I I see it pretty clearly because I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of turning the 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 part of the cycling industry that kind of takes itself too serious and gets lost in the weeds <laughs> like turning that on its head and it's it's like kind of a uh-huh. fuck you to it i don't think it's really pointedly rude toward anyone but uh 
I, right. I, I think it's yeah. a really appropriate sort of response to um, the way it can feel to take yourself seriously in uh, in the custom bike world and and to like love the craft and to love the 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 machines that we're making, but at the same time to see how like maybe it's getting further and further from why we fell in love with these things in the first place. Right, and not to get this whole idea of not taking it seriously confused or distracted from the the product that I'm building being a seriously yeah. um, well-made uh, yeah. attention to detail, like quality product. Which like, I feel like is pretty clear. Important. Yeah. And, and I do a little bit of that myself with the tools that I make, like the, the tube bender says, well, now it does. It says tube bender on it with a misspelling and the, the miter daddy has this silly name, but you know, it's, uh, I'm trying to convey similarly, you know, that with my things that the idea is, uh, I'm going to take seriously what needs to be taken seriously, but you know, like we're going to have some fun too. And I think I see yeah. that a lot with the work that you do. And I, I, I'm like, you know, it's attractive to me. It's, uh, I gravitate toward that sort of thing. Cause nobody wants to, um, surround themselves with and only be friends with like total squares. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah bikes man it's it's a crazy world for sure yeah the crazy world and i love i mean i love my customers and it's a it's 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 a hard thing building bikes and making it all happen but i appreciate the people who understand that it's also you know you're being commissioned to build a piece of art in a sense yeah it's not amazon.com um you know i'm typically a one-man show i often have an intern or a a part-time employee and, you know, wearing all the hats, just like you, um, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to hold on your plate Yeah. and just responding to emails and me being able to be available just for this phone call for this interview. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's a coordination nightmare really. Yeah. Um, and trying to keep up with the queue. I think my cues, my frame queue, I think is a year right now and I'm not wow. even really taking any orders and with that, and I, I make custom handlebars, which is blown up, and I probably sell one one handlebar every day, which wow. may not sound like a lot to someone like Specialized or Trek, but when I'm hand making those per yeah. customer spec, you know that's and that's at least an hour per handlebar. There's 40 hours of just building handlebars a month, yeah, on top of frames and forks and stems and that's wild. and phone calls and emails and paying bills and yeah keeping the shop up and feeding my kids and you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. No, I mean, I can see that you're, uh, you're, you're really keeping it, um, keeping it moving through the shop and pretty busy with all that stuff. Yep. Trying to, trying to make everyone happy and not, uh, kill myself in the, in the process. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's a one, another question that I'm interested in when I talk to frame builders is like, you know, there's the, um, you know, before I had ever built a bike frame, I thought, you know, that looks pretty, that, that grass looks pretty green. I would like to make a bike frame that looks like that would be fun. And then there's a point where you're thinking like, yeah, you know, like maybe I'd like to do this uh, as, you know, as my sort of income, as my living or something. I never really fully succeeded at that with frame building. But, uh, you know, for you, how does that change things from like the first bike that you make and the joy of that versus like doing it as a business every day? 
uh, you know, does that uh, maybe squash some parts of it or does it make other parts of it like maybe even more satisfying? Like when you mm-hmm. hand the, the piece that you've toiled over and put your heart into to a customer, I, I have to imagine that feels really good, you know? Yeah, that's the best day. That's the best day for sure is that <clears throat> handing the bike to the customer and seeing them ride off the first time and then having them ride back to you on it with that big smile saying, Oh man, Holy shit. This is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, um, that's has been the case with every bike I've made so far. I'm sure there'll be a day when someone rolls back and they're like, um, this is not what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, and then your heart's going to be broken and your wallet as well. But yeah, they say, Bernsey, um, I, th- I thought we were clear. You were supposed to build me a recumbent. <laughs> <laughs> and then you say, I don't know where I, I must have got things mixed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, um, yeah, for me, when I started, when I built my first bike, <clears throat> I did um, go and take a class. Um, I didn't have any background in metalwork. I called several... Um, uh, schools or individuals who are teaching some sort of frame class. And I went with, um, Carl Schlemowitz, oh, who cool. is vicious uh, cycles guru. out of, yeah. uh-huh, and his school is called metal guru. And I chose him because he was building similar bikes to what I wanted to build with, with the, the processes that I wanted. So, um, <clears throat> TIG welding versus brazing, and um, he has a pretty dialed shop space where he has machines set up for every individual miter or cut or, mm-hmm. you know, chain stays, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he, he's pretty dialed in, super smart guy. He's a little, he has a little bit of a dark side, which I could connect with. Um, and it was a one-on-one type situation. And he was willing to tailor it to me I went into it not just wanting to build a bike for myself. Like, that's cool. I could build a bike for myself. But I've built things my whole life. Like, that's just part of who I am. And it wasn't about just building a bike for me. It was about, I want to quit my job and build bikes as a business. Mm-hmm. So let's tailor this class to how to be efficient, how to do the design, how the processes work. Uh, if I don't even walk away with a complete frame at the end of this, I don't care. It's it's more about how do I set myself up to succeed in the long run in this yeah. process. That's a really good now, attitude to know where you want to go and to be able to drive the class in that direction. Yes, definitely. And the class was hard for me. It was a struggle. Um, it was hard work. I struggled through... I'd never welded before and was, you know, had intent to weld this bike at the end of 10 days. Um, Carl was, um, gave me more information than I could grasp at the time. Um, and it was an excellent teacher. It was a really good course. If anyone's looking to learn how to build bikes, I would definitely steer you in his direction. Wow. Um, but, um, I think, I think that's a good thing to know. If you're going into building bikes, or to building a bike, no. Am I, do I just want to build myself a bike? Or am I trying to make a living doing this? Or do I want to do this as a hobby? 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I would recommend. Anyone who thinks they want to dabble in frame building and potentially make money in the future, I would start doing it as a hobby and keep your day job. Yeah. Reason being is it takes a lot of time to figure out what tools, equipment, processes, what works, what doesn't work. You'll waste a lot of material. You're going to fail, hopefully forward a lot. And it's a huge expense um, to get into and then to maintain um, yeah. just like you machining, um, you know, you're machining all these beautiful pieces to help people build bikes and <clears throat> the equipment and the time. I mean, just the time alone in design and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it, it's pretty it's pretty deep. So I would, I would say, I would just, my advice to people would be take it slow. Don't buy anything until you know, it's exactly what you need. Um, don't just like, Oh, here's a bender. I'm going to buy it and not really know why you're buying it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, maybe it'll bend this or this say, okay, I need a specific tool. I need a bender that'll make curved seat tubes boom, where do I get that? Mm-hmm. And then get that one tool and figure out how it works and take notes on how it works and how you've bent it and how it ends up and what the length is, et cetera. And you'll take notes on everything so you can do it again and do it again <clears throat> and do it again. <laughs> and if <laughs> and if you just want to build a bike frame, then there's a ton of people out there who can just help you help you build a bike and you can go ride it and not have to worry about making a living doing it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point to make about going into the class, choosing the class that fits where you want to go. I took one with Doug Faddock in 2010 and it was old school, brazed, lugged bicycles. And uh, I think he teaches that class pretty well, but pretty quickly I, I realized that what I was more interested in was TIG welding and different processes. And it ended up not really preparing me that well for the kinds of stuff that I wanted to do, which is fine because I figured that out on my own. But, you know, you can choose wisely about a class. And uh, I think you make really good points about yeah. that. Well, I don't... Uh, I don't one, yeah. One other thing, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but no. one other thing I think is really important um, about frame building and if you want to do that, um, for me that I realized is that, you know, I, I'm a craftsman and an artist by nature I am not a textbook whiz or a businessman. And so that has been the hardest struggle for me is not, uh, is, is having to wear all those hats. Mm-hmm. And once you start building the bikes, yeah, it's great. You're building bikes, you're designing them. It's super fun. They come out cool. People are happy. But the, in the background, and what I've learned is I'm probably doing 60% of my time not building anything. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, paying bills, insurance, keeping a shop going, ordering parts, um, researching pricing, like <clears throat> running the actual business taxes, like yeah. all this stuff that you're just like, Holy so shit. Much stuff. <laughs> I thought I was just going to be like hanging out in this cool shop, <laughs> with all my tools, making cool things. Well, yeah. like run that through your brain before you start doing this. Like, do I want to be sitting behind a desk or answering phone calls or emails 60% mm-hmm. of the time, <laughs> you know, maybe get it, maybe have a partner. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, 
I yeah. just wanted to throw that in there because that, no, I think that's, that's a, been my biggest my biggest struggle. It's, I think it's a good uh, like sort of sobriety check or whatever you know, like uh, just you know to the grass is always greener and and you want to uh, before you get too too far down any one path, you want to think about what's the reality of this look like and is that something that I'm still excited about? Is it still better than my day job? You know, yes or no, that sort of thing. Sure. But uh, anyway, I don't want to hold you on the phone too long because I know you got a lot of work to do, and I really appreciate you making time for this show. Hopefully, it's really interesting and valuable to our listeners, and uh, hopefully it's on the air long enough <laughs> on the podcast, <laughs> lab long enough. Maybe we'll circle back around and have you on the show again in a couple of years. But uh, I really appreciate you being on. Thanks so much, uh, Bernsey. My pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me, and to all of you out there listening, I'm also... Uh, stoked to hear your questions or comments uh, via email. So feel free to email me at burnsy at oddityfycles.com. If any questions, uh, let me help you out with your struggles building bikes. Uh, There's no secrets here and uh, good luck out there. Cool. Well, uh, talk soon. All right. Thanks, Jim. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed conducting the interview. Uh, Specifically the stuff that the Sean was saying about uh, his class with Carl, the metal guru frame building class that he took when he was starting frame building that really strikes me. Uh, if you look at Bernsey's welds, uh, they are gorgeous. The, the TIG welding that he does is just gorgeous work. And it's funny to think back that like anyone who's good at something now was probably really bad at it in, in the past, maybe not even that long ago. And uh, I think that it really can be valuable perspective to remember if you're not good at something, but you would like to be to know that even people who are very good at it were struggling, you know, the first time they, they were taking a class to do that sort of thing. Uh, the way that he described, you know, having a vision for what he wanted out of the class and, and going to the class to, to, to achieve, you know, uh, what, what he could so that he could build a business and learn the steps he needed to, 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 you know, to be efficient and methodical about making bikes, trying to get that specifically out of the class. I wish that when I took my frame building class, I had that much perspective about exactly where I wanted to go in frame building and what sort of processes, uh, I would need to learn. Uh, man, that could have helped me. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I've heard a lot of good things about the metal guru classes and about Carl's work. And if I ever get the chance, I would love to take some classes there, even though I am not gearing up for a frame building career at this point, And I don't make and sell bikes to people at this time. Uh, I just would love it. I think I would learn a lot and I would really enjoy it. And, um, it sounds awesome. Anyhow, uh, th- those are just some things that I was really thinking of as themes through the episode stuff that really struck me, uh, And yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to highlight that next week we have another episode of the show coming out. Uh, I'm not sure 100% who the guest is, but I think I know I'm not going to reveal that yet. You're going to have to tune in next week to figure that out. Uh, I hope you will. I hope you subscribe. I hope you'll tell your frame building buddies and, um, I hope to, hope to see you there. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week.